But I got uh, I got the guy here. I got Daniel Biss, who about a year ago was on our show. Welcome back. Good to be back, Michael. It's good to Thanks have you. Me. And back then, I couldn't get you to say you were running for governor, but you said it was it was likely or something was about to happen. And you announced shortly after that. And I'm curious to know is uh, there seems to be an awful lot of enthusiasm about your candidate, which is a good thing for you and probably for most of us. And I'm wondering if there is a, uh, just put it this way, a kind of a movement quality. Uh, you know, I go way back to where the civil rights movement and the anti-war movement uh, brought me along. I wonder what kind of brought you into the picture, uh, being a political guy, and what uh, kind of the spirit and the vibe of your campaign is. Well, it's been incredibly exciting. And, you know, I did announce for governor not long after I was last on this show. That was back in March of last year. And, you know, I'll be honest, a lot of people kind of said, OK, fine, whatever. Now let's turn our attention back to the billionaires where it belongs. But over the course of 2017, people came to our campaign. We grew and grew and grew. And then in the last month or two, have really been surging in the polls. And we've got this incredible collection of endorsements, moveon.org, National Nurses United, Reclaim Chicago, Our Revolution just endorsed us the other day. And there's been a growing movement of people who have basically said, listen, we are not going to be told by the party establishment that in the era of Trump and Rauner, the only option is another inexperienced billionaire. Instead, we're going to get behind a middle class progressive and try to build a different kind of campaign, not just to win, but to transform Illinois. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, it was. I think we even talked about it back then was uh, uh, we have these billionaire candidates for governor at a time when uh, there's a resurgence or an advancement of the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. Well, let me say two things. Yes, generally speaking, advancement of the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, which is obviously wonderful, but more specifically, a real backlash against the catastrophic and immoral level of economic inequality in our society. And in that moment, where we are more freaked out than ever about the fact that more and more of the wealth is going to a few people and the rest of us are basically being left behind, why would the Democratic Party line up to say, yes, more of that for us, too? It just seems like a real mistake. Well, what was the reason? It was because uh, J.B. Pritzker had money and was going to finance his own campaign. Yeah, listen, Michael, J.B. has now spent $56.2 million of his own money. It's a lot of dough. It's, I mean, <laughs> from where I said it's a lot of dough, that's for sure. For him, it's probably just a rounding error. But listen, $56.2 million, that's more than Donald Trump spent to get nominated for president. It's a crazy amount of money. And I think everyone knows, including J.B. himself, that... He wouldn't be in this race. He wouldn't be taken seriously as a candidate if he weren't a billionaire. That there's part of the Democratic Party that has said, well, listen, if you can't beat him, join him. That's what we're going to do, too. And I think you and I know, as most people in Illinois feel in their bones, that if the Democratic Party goes down that path, then it's not going to be a party that's working hard to solve the fundamental problems of economic inequality and economic injustice. That's why this primary matters so much. Yeah, I keep thinking that uh, Rauner, uh, you know, he kind of makes an appeal, uh, tries to be a working guy with his Carhartt and his motorcycle. I'm wondering what uh, what JB would kind of what his pitch is. I mean, you got two guys. If, if, if he were the candidate, you'd have these two millionaire, billionaire guys running each other against each other, trying to act like they were normal people. Yeah, I mean, I think against Rauner, JB's pitch will be, I'm the nicer billionaire, which is true, by the way. He's a much nicer, nicer billionaire guy, yeah. than, than Rauner. And, and, and by the way, if he's the Democratic nominee, I'm going to work my butt off to elect him because he is 
he would be a much better governor than are you are we all clear on that will people play nice well if, if you're the nominee you think that uh, jb pritzker and kennedy will be on board i'm sure they'll be on board though what i've said is if if i don't win the nomination i'll be working just as hard and doing just as much for the nominee as i would if it was me i would hope pritzker would say the same thing right so i asked him in a debate a few weeks ago hey man i said you've given 42 million dollars to your own campaign at that point it was 42 now it's 56 way up now i said you've given 42 million dollars to your own campaign to just get nominated and you say that the important thing is to beat bruce Rauner. will you commit to give at least $42 million to whoever is the Democratic nominee in the effort to beat Bruce Rauner. And he found himself not totally able to give a straight answer to that question. Ah, um, Where are you at with unions? Uh, I know that uh, a lot of unions uh, fell in line uh, behind Madigan and uh, Pritzker. Uh, you do have the national nurses. Anyone else? Are there any battles going on with you that are residual effects of uh, your earlier stance on some issues? Uh, I, I don't think so. Um, so I was really excited to get the endorsement of the National Nurses United, the first national They're labor union. They're a progressive group. They're a progressive <laughs> group. They're fighting for universal health care with incredible um, fierceness and strategic sense. Uh, they're the first national union to make an endorsement in this race, and they endorsed me. Um, and Pritzker has gotten a whole bunch of Illinois union endorsements. And listen, the labor movement's under attack, and... They're incredibly concerned about beating Rauner, and they feel like they need Pritzker's money to beat Rauner. I, I fundamentally disagree. I, I don't think that's the right call, but I don't think that's about them not liking me or trusting me. I think that that's their strategic calculation about what it's going to take to beat, Brown, beat Bruce Rauner. I've been the chairman of the Labor Committee the last two years, fighting Rauner's agenda, fighting against attacks on workers, fighting against attacks on collective bargaining, and they've seen me in that role enough to understand where my values are and where my priorities land. Uh, we're talking with Daniel Biss, a candidate for governor of the great state of Illinois. You're listening to Live from the Heartland on Saturday morning, the 24th of February. And, um, you know, <clears throat> I've been watching the Olympics a lot, and uh, I also watch a lot of news. And, of course, the, uh, the ads are popping up. And there's a bunch of ads that doesn't really say, unless you really get up close and maybe find some fine print, that are attacking you. And they attack you over uh, pension issues, over charter school issues, and over, uh, you know, uh, loans, of wages. Yeah. So those may have been uh, things that you were on a questionable side on in your youth in the, in the legislature. Where are you at on those issues now? Well, let me just start by saying it's pretty interesting that J.B. Pritzker is now spending you. millions of dollars attacking me, right? This is the billionaire playbook, right? They get freaked out. They realize, wait a second, there might be a middle-class progressive governor. If that happens, the billionaires are going to have to pay their share. We're going to do whatever we can to stop it. And so they unload all kinds of misleading attacks. And uh, what's particularly interesting is that on, a, on that debate in Carbondale that I mentioned earlier, it was Tuesday night, and in that debate, on a Tuesday night, J.B. Pritzker said, I don't think Democrats should ever criticize other Democrats. I think that we should focus all our attention on Bruce Rauner. That was a Tuesday night and Thursday morning, 36 hours later, the first attack ad aired. So let me tell you, these guys are freaked out about what happens when a movement progressive has a chance to actually beat them. But let me address the substance of the, of the attacks. Um, I'll, I'll take them in reverse order. Good. Uh, you mentioned this question of student loans. I mean... What an extraordinarily bogus attack. I 
voted for a bill that certainly didn't help any bank, didn't help any private industry. I voted for a bill that was advocated by the Illinois Student Assistance Commission to give them the same rights that federal student lenders have because lacking those rights, they had been forced to take student loan borrowers to court, sue them, and screw up their credit rating. So that was a bill that created that parity to avoid that problem. In the meantime, there is nobody, and I mean nobody in the legislature who has a stronger record than me on student loan borrowers, on fighting payday lenders, on fighting wage garnishment, on fighting wage assignment. I have been leading the fight, carrying the spear on these issues throughout my career, not not just recently. So that's my fake career. news that they're putting out there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's not literally a lie, but it is such a profound mischaracterization that as far as I'm concerned, it might as well be. So that's that's that issue. On charters, listen, here's where I am on charters. I support a moratorium on charters. I think that building new charters while closing neighborhood schools is a mistake. I think neighborhood schools are the foundation of a school system. I think holding charters accountable is important. I have voted to do that. I have voted, let me give you an example. I voted to make sure that charters are held to the same standards as neighborhood schools when it comes to English language learners, when it comes to special education. I voted to shut down the Illinois Charter School Commission's authority to put charters in local communities against their will. Uh, I've signed on to letters opposing charter expansion in your own neighborhood of uh, right. of Rogers Park. And we um, have voted to keep them out. And I and that's the appropriate role of a local community. And yet somehow because I support parity, I've been accused of being somehow ta- for somehow taking money away from local neighborhood schools. So that's that's another attack that I think is a Little, little misleading, but again, I just take it as a badge of honor. The fact they're worried seems to mean yeah. that we're doing something. No, right. and I think that uh, what I tell, what I told people who were happened to be sitting around me when I saw that ad was, you know, in the early days, a lot of people thought charter schools was a good idea. They were run in conjunction with public schools, and uh, they were kind of progressive early on. All of a sudden, it became a, a like a, a money factory for some people, and they really changed. Well, and you have to hold them accountable, and you can't allow for-profit charters. You can't allow them to be, you know, hoodwinking kids and families or sucking money out of communities. That, and that's something that I have always stood for: is real, real accountability and real parity. What I'm not going to say, though, is that if the charter school is already there, that we should somehow wind up underfunding it and harming the kids who are there. That doesn't make sense either, right? So that's that's the position that I took, and the position I would still take now. The other question you asked about is on the pensions. Because when I first met you right. was when I was still the head of the president of the Democratic Party in the 49th, and I remember you came to talk, right. and I I was right in your face about it. And you were uh, pretty I, polite. For I was in my well, face. I, you, yeah, were, you were in my I face in a really polite way. Face. But I uh, I raised our friend Fred Klonsky, who was you know he's just a really uh, uncompromising on the pension right. issue. He was, so where are you at on that, and how have you evolved? Yeah, I mean, so this is an issue where I have evolved, and let me explain that evolution because I think people have a right to know about it. I got to Springfield in 2011. There was this massive debt, massive pension debt, big problem. And I was trying to struggle with ways to address it. And my proposed, my preferred solution then was what my preferred solution is now, which is have a progressive income tax, fund the pensions properly. What we got told was that the votes aren't there to do that. That's not going to happen. This was under Quinn. Correct. Exactly right. And who was the Democratic governor before Rauner? Also true. And so the conventional wisdom said, hey, if we're going to get a progressive income tax, the only way to do it is to first either make changes to pension benefits or else make further cuts to human services and education. And I was too quick to accept that false choice and said, all right, I'll take the least bad of the bad options, do the least bad thing available, instead of realizing, hey, the role of an elected leader when 
faced with the reality that the right thing is not yet possible is to organize people to change what's possible. And that's been the most important learning experience of my time in the legislature. And it has been clear in my voting record throughout my time in the legislature since that episode, including voting against a series of pension changes that were pushed by Democrats in the last few years. And where there's a lot of pressure on me to vote yes, but I voted no because I saw that it was not the right thing to do. What I find frustrating about these attacks, and you know, J.B. Pritzker's got the right to attack me on my voting record, that's cool, it's fine. But let's ask about his position, because he's taking pot shots at my voting record after I've been in the legislature for seven years and taken thousands of votes. He's not been there, he's not taken any votes, but he did take one position, which is that in 2011, when these pension debates were raging, he wrote $10,000 checks to the organization that was trying to push for the most radical pension changes, that was trying to do away with pensions altogether, that was attacking me at the time for not going far enough. And J.B. Pritzker doesn't say, wait a second, here's what I've learned since then. He doesn't admit that happened and talk about his evolution. He just wants to sweep it under the rug and pretend it never happened. And to me, that's a difference in leadership style and, frankly, a difference in character. Because here's something that is bad news but important to share with you. I'm not going to be a perfect governor. And we've never had one, and we're never going to have one. And when I finish my first month of being governor, I'm going to learn from what didn't go as well as it could have during that month and be a better governor the next month and a better governor the month after that because I'm honest about my learning experiences. And if JB isn't willing to be honest about his evolutions and his own learning experiences, then I think we're going to be in a lot of trouble if he becomes governor. So you've been in the legislature for seven years. Uh, the two other candidates, there are more than two, and I saw a couple of them on the uh, Channel 11 uh, public television. Uh, I forget all their names. One guy was uh, for dividing the state into three parts. Yes. <laughs> Which, well, I found that kind of unique. I had never heard that before. But you've been in the legislature for seven years. The two ca- main candidates that you were running against, which would be Kennedy and Pritzker, uh, neither of those guys have served in government at all. They're just very wealthy guys who decided that they would like to be the governor. Well, that's right. But, I mean, obviously it's work, worked really well with Trump and Rauner. That's true, too. But, well, it hasn't worked very well. Well, that's my point, <laughs> that's right? That's your point. That the I'm I- a little slow on the take there. The idea <laughs> that in the era of Trump and Rauner, Democrats would say, yeah, let's do some of that, just strikes me as an incredible mistake. Let's pick someone with real experience who knows how to make government work, who understands something about government based upon time spent there, not based upon just some sort of egotistical desire to be at the top of the food chain. So we've got 24 days left until the primary. That's sure March 20th. Yep. And people can still register to vote. And if they don't get it done, they can go online and register, but they can also bring two means of ID, two pieces of ID on election day, and That's they right. can vote. Um, what's going what's, what's gonna to happen in your campaign, uh, hopefully, in the next 24 days. And I wanted you to address downstate. Yeah. What's happening? We, you know, we're up here in Chicago. We got the blue bubble. Things are good in a lot of ways. Um, and I'm just curious to know uh, how it looks in the rest of the states, in Moline, in, uh, you know, in Carbondale, in uh, Cairo. Where, yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you see when you go around the state. Yeah. Well, what I see is a lot of people who are hurting, a lot of people who've been left behind, a lot of people who's economic situation is a result of very systemic disinvestment 
and a lot of people who see the Democratic Party paying no attention to them and therefore likely to vote Republican, even though maybe they agree with the platform of the Democratic Party more. And so we've spent a lot of time downstate organizing people, building networks, listening to people who aren't used to being listened to by Democratic candidates for governor. And we've had tremendous success. I was endorsed yesterday by the newspapers in both Bloomington and Decatur. Uh, based upon the time that I've spent there and the relationships I've built there, we've got incredible groups of people. And it's it's this wonderful, diverse mix. We've got phenomenal energy on campuses. We just finished a 14-college tour with new volunteers engaged in activism on colleges across the state. But we've also got you know, all new resistance groups of women in their 40s and 50s and retirees who are building together this very, very diverse quilt of activism that, frankly, the state hasn't seen before and that I think is going to change life in Illinois, and I think it's going to be a very important part of our victory on March 20th. See, I remember during the Chewy campaign, it was a movement quality. A lot of people who've been involved and even critical of electoral politics in a number of ways got involved. Do you feel that that kind of thing is happening with you? I refer to it as a movement-esque kind of vibe. I do. I do. It's incredibly exciting. And again, for, for reasons way beyond whether I win or lose. It's exciting for the new politics that we're building. You know, I decided to run because after Trump got elected, I started traveling the state and saw the beginnings of this kind of movement politics growing. And I thought we need a governor who's going to nurture that and use that as a governing tool. And now a year later, this is so awesome. A year later, a lot of the people I first met they're now running for office. They're running for county board in McLean County and Madison County. They're serving on township boards and school boards. There's this new generation. They're running for party offices like state central committeemen or precinct committeemen. They're they're taking over our politics in the best possible way for the best possible reasons. We like that. You um, bet. <clears throat> you, there was a little bit of a... Uh, of an issue when you had originally uh, gotten Carlos Rosa as your running mate and over some stuff he had talked about around Israel, uh, you withdrew that nomination. Now, I don't want to get into that in too much detail. Uh, what I would like you to do is tell us a little bit about your running mate, uh, Latissa Wallace. Yeah, so Latissa is incredible. She's a great friend. We've been friends for a long time. She joined the State House of Representatives in 2014, and I actually a week later visited her in her district office in Rockford to talk about a bill that I was working on at the time. But let me tell you about her. She was born in the south side of Chicago. She grew up in the south suburbs, graduated from Hillcrest High School, went to Western Illinois, then had a son, and raised her son as a single mother while putting herself through a master's program and PhD program at Northern Illinois University uh, in educational psychology became a counselor and case manager and eventually became a state representative. And she is a fierce, progressive fighter. She's one of very few single parents in the legislature. And as you can imagine, there's not a better fighter than her for childcare. She's a fighter for economic and racial justice. And she understands that economic and racial justice are tied together and are best fought for as one issue, not as two separate issues. And she understands the new economy and the way that Most families are being pushed further and further and further down so that a few incredibly wealthy people in the financial industry can take from the rest of us. And she is a fierce fighter to level the playing field. Daniel Bisf, uh, final question. Uh, Let me think of a good one. Just tell us why you should be the governor of Illinois. Well, 
You asked this beautiful question about movement politics. Let this be the time that in an era of pain and an era of billionaires running government for their own benefit, we as Democrats do the opposite and build a new progressive movement based on what people across our state have for decades known was the right form of government but haven't had the tools to build. Let's have a middle class progressive as their governor, someone who understands how to actually accomplish something in state government, and let's do it by building a movement that can then hold me accountable when I'm government governor and move the entire legislature in the right direction. So visit us at danielbiss.com or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash danielbiss. Join this movement during the course of the last 24 days because we're not going to outspend the other guys. I'm not going to outfamous the other guys. None of my uncles was ever president. But we are going to be able to be successful because of people talking to people and building a powerful, beautiful, diverse, progressive movement to transform Illinois. Daniel Biss, you're a hell of a guy.